Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 4th of July, 2022, the 5th of Tammuz, 5782. Happy Independence Day for those who are celebrating in the United States. Enjoy your long weekend. Here in Israel, it is just Monday, and <laughs> that's all it is here in Israel. I'm actually going to be uh, attending several barbecues later on today in honor of U.S. Independence Day. But really, for 99.5% of the population here, it is just another glorious Monday here in the Jewish state of Israel. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe. And you're part of the world. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh, at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid and in case you were wondering how that sounds, well, that is the reality. JNS reports here, Israeli Prime Minister Ir Lapid, who took over the reins from Prime Minister Bennett at midnight on Friday, delivered his primary message during his inaugural security cabinet meeting on Sunday. And it was one of urgency. In the coming months, he said, our goal, the goal of this whole table, is to manage the government as if there are no elections, said Lapid in his opening remarks. Remember, he is the interim prime minister. I don't know if officially that's his title, but he is the caretaker prime minister. Perhaps it is the official title until November 1st when Israel goes to the polls for the fifth time in the last three and a half years. Anyway, you look at it, Yair Lapid is the Prime Minister of the State of Israel. He said, Israeli citizens are entitled to a functional government at any given moment. That is, that is the expectation of us. That is my expectation for my fellow ministers, he said. So he wants people to forget about, forget about the fact that we are at least his government, to forget about the fact that we are in election mode right now. And I say good luck with that. Good luck working as if there are no elections ahead on November the 1st. Is the prime minister going to put his own future in politics aside in order to manage the government as if there are no elections? I certainly hope so. But how is that realistic? How is that possible? A lot of his time will surely be campaigning for his Yeshatid party as we head to November. The Prime Minister added, the education crisis cannot wait, budgets for hospitals cannot be delayed, the Iranians, Hamas, Hezbollah are not waiting, we need to act against them on all fronts at any given moment, and that is exactly what we will do. As I mentioned, Lapid became caretaker Prime Minister at midnight on July 1st after the Knesset dispersed itself on Thursday and set November 1st as the election day. On Friday morning, he met with Israeli Security Agency Director Ronen Barr at the Israel Defense Forces headquarters in Tel Aviv for an extensive security intelligence briefing, according to an official statement. On Saturday night, Lapid delivered a speech on television, and I'm not going to read the, the whole speech here, but he said the state of Israel is bigger than all of us most more important rather than any of us it was here before us it will be here long after us it doesn't belong only to us it belongs to those who dreamed of it for thousands of years in the diaspora and also to those 
yet to be born to future generations. And then he went on um, about different issues, our military might. He addressed Israel's security needs. He said Israel seeks peace. He also brought up the so-called Palestinians, saying the time has come for you to recognize we will never move from here. Let's learn to live together. What does he have in mind here? What can happen over the next several months? Yair Lapid, who, from what we know, is in favor of a so-called two-state solution, which I call a zero-state solution, an existential threat to the state of Israel. He's in, he's in favor of that. Can he accomplish anything on that front in the next several months? Uh, I hope not, especially with uh, U.S. President Joe Biden due here in less than, what is it, less than two weeks. I hope they don't put their heads together and come up with some crazy new plan or unearth an old plan specifically in regard to a two so-called two-state solution which is again an existential threat to the state of israel in my opinion uh, he added we believe there's great blessing in the abraham accords wanting to advance that saying that the iranian threat is the gravest threat facing israel will do whatever we must do to prevent iran from acquiring a nuclear capability or entrenching itself on our borders. Finally, he said, I stand before you at this moment and say to everyone seeking our demise, from Gaza to, to Tehran, from the shores of Lebanon to Syria, don't test us. Israel knows how to use its strength against every threat, against every enemy. The Jerusalem Post added that in a statement responding to the, to, uh, the speech on Saturday night, the coup referred to a claim made by former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's ex-diplomatic advisor. So uh, Bennett's ex-diplomatic advisor, Shimrit Mayer, in an interview on Friday with the Yidiot Akron newspaper, he said that Lapid offered, this is again, this is Likud's response to Lapid's comment Saturday night. He said Lapid offered the Ram party a blank check, that's Mansour Abbas's party, a blank check in order to keep the coalition afloat. This is his claim, again, an ex-diplomatic advisor to former Prime Minister Bennett, said that that's what Lapid did. The Likud statement added, no statement of Lapid's will hide the fact that he sent his director general with a blank check to the Shura Council, the Southern Islamic Movement, which advises Ram. So again, Likud is saying Lapid gave Ram, the Ram party, a blank check to do it at once, to keep them in line, to try to keep the coalition stable, Again, this is the southern branch of the Islamic movement. The only government he can establish is with the Muslim Brotherhood and the Joint List, said the Likud. The choice is Lapid's blackmailed government that includes the Muslim Brotherhood and the Joint List or a strong national government led by opposition leader Benjamin Netanyahu and the Likud, which will bring hope, hope back to Israel. So that's the Likud responding to Lapid's comments to the nation on Saturday night, they also argued, and I think this is a fair point by the Likud, they also protested the fact that Lapid's speech was broadcast live on television, calling it a campaign speech and saying that Netanyahu should get equal airtime. There are all these rules in terms of what the media can cover live on television when it comes to candidates for prime minister. I remember Netanyahu, there were times in the past where he wanted to address the nation and because it was X amount of days 
Before an election, he was not able to do so live on television. So perhaps on this point, whether you agree with the other stuff Likud says or not, on this point, I think they have a, a strong case here that um, that Lapid speaking to the nation live uh, could be seen perhaps as a an election campaign speech. I think they have a point. Agree? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Get in touch with me, Josh at the land of Let me know what you think. Moving on here, JNS also reported the other day that the Israel Defense Forces on Saturday shot down three unmanned aerial vehicles approaching Israel's Karish offshore natural gas platform from Lebanon. One of the UAVs was downed by an Israeli F-16 fighter, while the other were the other two were intercepted by the INS Elat missile corvette, according to the IDF. All three were shot down over the Mediterranean Sea. The UAVs flew at low at a low speed and low altitude in an attempt to bypass Israel's detection and interception systems, the, uh, the military said in a statement. However, they were detected and shot down. An initial investigation suggests the drones did not pose an imminent threat. The incident comes as Israel and Lebanon have been engaged in indirect negotiations designed to settle a dispute over their maritime border. The economic waters of both countries are believed to contain large quantities of natural gas. In addition to the large discoveries made by Israel in recent decades, talks between Israel and Lebanon have been mediated by the U.S. In June, Hezbollah threatened to attack Israel's offshore gas drilling activities in the Karish gas field off the coast of Haifa over this unresolved border issue. So here we have a border issue with Lebanon. We have Hezbollah getting involved trying to send a message in the form of these UAVs. Again, from what I understand, they were unarmed, but it is a message being sent to Israel. It is part of the propaganda battle, and it is something that Israel is going to have to deal with either sooner or later, Hezbollah in general, but also protecting these gas fields with Hezbollah, of course, wanting to uh, take them over, wanting perhaps to... Um, destroys destroy Israel's access to them. Whatever the nefarious plans of Hezbollah are, they are trying to send a message, and Israel must re- respond using strength. Switching to ice cream now. That's right, Ben and Jerry's in the news. JNS reported that on Wednesday, Unilever, the parent company of Vermont-based Ben and Jerry's ice cream, announced that it had agreed to sell the rights to manufacture and distribute the brand in Israel as well as in Judea and Samaria to its Israeli licensee, Avi Zinger, owner of American Quality Products Limited. The decision comes almost after an almost year-long standoff between Ben & Jerry's and nearly all parts of the pro-Israel community, which had protested the company's announcement in July of 2021, that it would not renew its license with Zinger because it could not support its product being sold in what they call occupied Palestinian territory. By the way, the factory is near uh, is near Sterot down there in southern Israel, in Beertuvia, actually. So the factory itself is not even in Judea and Samaria. Nevertheless, Ben and Jerry's wanting to boycott Ben and Jerry's wanting to boycott all sales of ice cream to Israel. Unilever going. Along with it, going along with Ben and Jerry's and not wanting to renew the license of the Israeli branch or the Israeli brand uh, Ben and Jerry's Israel, 
However, Unilever has decided to sell those rights over to Avi Zinger. Zinger's company will now have full ownership over Ben & Jerry's Israel. However, listen to this, the product will utilize Ben & Jerry's name in Hebrew and Arabic, but it will no longer be able to use uh, the cartoon images of founder Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfeld, and it won't be able to say, from what I understand, won't be able to say Ben & Jerry's in English on the packaging. So there are some uh, stipulations here. The agreement gives Zinger's company the right to produce and distribute Ben & Jerry's ice cream, quote, for eternity. So again, this is a lawsuit here in the U.S. District Court in New Jersey, where Unilever is headquartered, alleging that Ben & Jerry's directed AQP to violate, AQP again is the Israeli company, to violate Israel's non-discrimination law, which prohibits discrimination in providing a product or public service on the basis of race, religion, nationality, place of origin, gender, sexual orientation, age, and residence. It also would have violated another Israeli law prohibiting, prohibiting any person from knowingly calling for a boycott against Israel or an area under its control. So, Unilever sells its right over to, rights over to Zinger, and Ben & Jerry's... At least this version of Ben & Jerry's will be able to be distributed all throughout the state of Israel, including Judea and Samaria. However, Ben & Jerry's on Thursday announced that it will no longer profit from Ben & Jerry's sales in Israel. And that quote, we will continue to believe it is inconsistent with Ben & Jerry's values for our ice cream to be sold in the occupied territory. So on one hand, Ben & Jerry's Israel can sell ice cream. On the other hand, it won't look like Ben & Jerry's in the carton. And Ben & Jerry's will have nothing to do. Uh, ben & Jerry's in the U.S. or international have nothing to do with Ben & Jerry's Israel. So it's, it's certainly a victory that Unilever backed off and sold the rights to sell this product in Israel, including Judea and Samaria. But on the other hand, I know everyone is happy and everyone is celebrating, but Unilever also will have nothing to do with Ben & Jerry's in Israel. So in my opinion, it is a, it's a victory of sorts, but it's also a breakup between the parties, between Unilever and the Israeli version of Ben & Jerry's. I'm glad, of course, Ben & Jerry's Israel will be able to sell, keep their factory open, and all those people will still have their jobs. But I'm not sure I agree this is the huge victory that people say it is against those who want to BDS us because they essentially are cutting off ties, at least for Unilever when it comes to ice cream in Israel. Again, I don't know about all the other products, and I don't think this has anything to do with all the other Unilever products, and there are, and there are many of them here in Israel. So they're cutting off ties when it comes to ice cream and Israel. So you can spin it any way you want, and a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the Jewish organizations are happy that this is how it turned out. And again, I'm happy for Zinger, who I've, who I've met and who I've spoken to, that he will be able to maintain his factory and his employees and continue to produce ice cream. But on the other hand, Unilever is essentially breaking off its relationship with Ben & Jerry's Israel. So is that a, a huge victory against BDS? I'm not, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. If you disagree with me, let me know. Josh at thelandofisrael.com. Tell me whether or not you think this is a huge victory against the BDS. 
and of course BDS USA or International, whomever they are, the company in Vermont, they are just absolute haters. They're haters of Israel. They're absolute hypocrites. They have, from what I know, they have never made such a fuss about selling their product in any other conflict zone in the world. This is all about hating on Israel. So BDS, sorry, Ben and Jerry's USA or International, whatever, continue to be BDS anti-Israel haters, and they should be called out for it, even if they have nothing to do uh, on paper with Israel, but they will still push this anti-Israel agenda. Let's remember that. This is not about Judea and Samaria when it comes to Ben and Jerry's. They want to boycott the entire country of Israel. So that's who that company is. Uh, Switching gears, Jerusalem Post. Israel will be able to examine the bullet that killed Al Jazeera journalist Shirin Abu Akleh to determine if the shooter was an IDF soldier or an Arab so-called Palestinian gunman. Military spokesman Brigadier General Ron Kohav told Army Radio on Sunday. He spoke just one day after the PA Attorney General told the media the bullet had been had been handed over to the U.S. to a team of experts, United States experts, who had come to the region specific, specifically for this purpose. So U.S. taxpayers, I'm assuming, are funding a trip of U.S. experts to come over here to examine one bullet. This morning was reported that the U.S. gave the PA the bullet back. Number one, how do we know this is the same bullet? Like, how do we know the PA didn't give them another bullet? Who's overseeing this bullet process? And in what other situation in the world does a third party carry out an investigation and fly all the way across the world over one bullet? Now, again, okay, Kochav here is saying... Military spokesman Kochav is saying that the examination won't be an American one. It'll be an Israeli one with an American presence. But why is the U.S. involved with this? Flying people across the world to examine one bullet. Was the U.S. involved in ballistic tests surrounding the death of any other journalists in the world? In a situation that involved two non-U.S. parties. You want to say it's terrible, a journalist died, but this story is all about trying to accuse Israel of deliberately targeting journalists, and now the PA gets to be the good guy here before President Biden shows up. I'm tempted to say, again, I don't have the proof. I would bet no other journalist's death in the history of the world has drawn this much attention. It's very simple. This story involves Israel, and that is why it is still in the media cycle, the news cycle, after all this time, okay? And it's been, what has it been now? A month or two? And I guess perhaps even by today, um, there will be some sort of statement as to who shot the bullet, whether it was an IDF soldier or a PA terrorist. But either way, I have no doubt that Israel does not target journalists deliberately. If a mistake was made, a mistake was made. And we need to learn from that if, in fact, that is the case. But either way, this is all about hating on Israel. This is the obsession against the state of Israel and our so-called peace partners. They're the ones leading the charge in the Palestinian Authority. No way that any other, any other case like this where a journalist was killed, where people sent all the way around the world in order to examine one lone bullet. That's what this story is about. It's about Israel. 
and uh, if it involved any other country, you would not have a third party flying people 5,000 miles in order to look at a bullet. The Jerusalem Post says that according to World Jewish Congress President Ronald S. Lauder, um, in an interview with an Arab... Oh, actually, this is something I, I think is a column he published in an Arab news media outlet. The U.S., this according to Ronald Lauder, the U.S. must establish a Marshall Plan to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Lauder wrote that U.S. President Joe Biden's upcoming visit to, visit to the Middle East, which includes stops in Israel and Saudi Arabia, presents a, gr- a great opportunity to finally solve one of the longest-running historical conflicts in the Middle East. What is the Marshall Plan, for those who don't know? Uh, a Marshall Plan, similar to the original European recovery program enacted by the U.S. to provide economic aid to Western Europe post-World War II, that's what, that, that's what the Marshall Plan is, could best could be the best solution for the Palestinians, Lauder argued. Uh, The U.S. transferred $13 billion, which today would be about $85 billion, in economic aid to Western Europe over four years. The plan modernized the European industrial and business sectors, reduced trade barriers, and attempted to instill self-reliance. It was named after General George C. Marshall, who advocated for the plan who was U.S. Secretary of State at the time. Now, Lauder believes that this Marshall Plan would offer the so-called Palestinians a future of wealth, success, and self-reliance, which they cannot turn down. Creation of small businesses, home building, all sorts of things that would uh, provide a positive future for the next generation of PA Arabs. A fixed sum of money to be given to young entrepreneurs, on and on and on. Okay, Marshall Plan for the Palestinian Authority Arabs. That's his plan. So, this is how I see this idea, this Marshall Plan. What Ronald Lauder wants to do right now is introduce a plan to pay the Arabs off to stop murdering Jews and seeking Israel's destruction. That's essentially what this is. We'll pay them off and they'll stop murdering Jews. They'll stop throwing rocks. They'll stop the terrorism if we pay them off. Now, I agree, and I've talked about this before. The average Arab, okay, who's just trying to support his family, number one, he would rather live under Israel, by the way, because he would make more money, and those Arabs who work for Israeli companies make more money, uh, higher salaries than living under uh, the Palestinian Authority or working for a PA company. I'll accept that. But let's look what happened when Israel left Gaza and left behind the greenhouses intact. You're talking about producing some of the best cherry tomatoes and the most high-level agricultural technology in the world in Gush Katif. What did the Arabs do when Israel pulled out of Gaza unilaterally? They tore them down. The Arabs tore down the greenhouses. Instead of using them to feed their own people, And by the way, this is before the Hamas takeover. This is under the Palestinian Authority. They tore down the greenhouses. They destroyed them. The Palestinian Authority cannot be bought. Hamas cannot be bought. It's not about the money. And Ronald Launder doesn't understand that or is not willing to accept it. He wants to introduce this Marshall Plan. It's not about the money. It's about Israel not being here. That is the goal. That is the stated goal. 
that is in the PLO charter and the Hamas charter. The goal is to destroy the state of Israel. Okay, not to revitalize their economy. Hamas diverts funding and humanitarian aid and materials towards their rocket and tunnel program. It's not about, they cannot be bought. It's almost insulting to suggest such a plan. Okay, the Arabs might take this plan as an insult. This is ridiculous to me. It's not about the money. It's about Israel not being here. And that is their goal. And I think this, this plan is just a another failure in the works because it does not deal with the core issues. The core issues being the PA and Hamas and the others want to destroy the state of Israel. They don't want to be bought or paid off. They want Israel gone. And this plan doesn't address those issues. Um, speaking of... Uh, Wanting to destroy the state of Israel, Times of Israel says two Arab men, one armed with a grenade, were detained by IDF forces trying to infiltrate into southern Israel overnight between Saturday night and Sunday. They were also armed with knives. They weren't looking for any economic benefit there. They were looking to murder Israelis. This morning, Israel National News, Arucheva reports 13 suspects apprehended overnight talking about Arab terror suspects, and they had uh, a lot of them had weapons on them or in their presence, which were confiscated by the IDF. We will finish on some positive news, I guess bittersweet. Israel's under-19 men's soccer team won the silver medal at the uh, European Championships. Again, Israel's under-19 men's soccer team they lost in the finals to England 3-1 to in overtime. The score was 1-1 going into the extra period, and then England scored two goals in the extra period. Israel actually was leading 1-0 before England tied it up and then went ahead in overtime and defeated Israel 3-1. to From what I understand, I didn't watch the game. What I understand, Israel had a chance to make it 2-0 in favor of Israel, which could have sealed up the gold. But they exceeded, from what I understand and what I read, what I saw on the sports channels, Israel exceeded all expectations. And it is a sign for the future, the future of Israeli soccer or football, if you want to call it football, seems to be bright if the under-19 men's team finished in the silver medal slot there, losing to powerhouse England. And this was the... The farthest any Israeli under-19 had ever gotten. They had made history, according to this uh, report here by TOI. They had already made history on Saturday night, by qual last Saturday night, by qualifying for the semifinals, the furthest an Israeli squad had ever advanced in the competition. So congratulations to the under-19 men's soccer team. And uh, again, who knows, maybe we will see Israel in a World Cup in the near future if these new if this new generation lives up to uh their now high expectations because expectations are now high that they did so well in the european competition that's going to do it for today my name is josh haste and this has been another edition of israel uncensored for the 4th of july happy independence day again monday july 4th 2022 the fifth of tammuz 5782 coming to you from just outside the walls of the old city of jerusalem Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at the land of Israel.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Big shout out to Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. 
Tabitha Epstein for everything everything she does behind the scenes here at the Land of Israel Network. Most importantly, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, between now and when we speak again, please God, next Monday, everyone out there, be safe. Shalom, shalom from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. I have seen everything in the days of my vanity, says the wise of all kings. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who lives long in his evil. Be not overly righteous, warned Solomon, and be not overly wise. Why should you bring desolation upon yourself? Well, I'm not worried that I'm overly righteous, and I certainly don't think I'm overly wise, but I am Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.